This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. While you're here, please make sure to like and subscribe. My name is Judy Cho, and I'm board certified in holistic nutrition. And I have a private practice where we focus on root cause healing, and it often starts with the carnivore cures all meat elimination diet. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Mike and Corey Beth Lepowski. They are the co owners of Pure Physique, which is an online coaching company as well as a fitness studio franchise. In this conversation, we talk about how to truly put in Exercise and movement in our lives for consistency, longevity, and to incorporate it in our lives when we are very busy. I love their approach, and why I had them on is because it's so practical and so realistic for the average person that is just trying to be healthier and to maintain muscle mass or build muscle mass. Their program is also for people that are beyond just the average person trying to build a little bit of muscle mass, but it is. Very reflective of the average person that lives a busy life and how to incorporate it and how to incorporate resistance training and exercise for long term. Mike and Corey Beth Lepowski are co owners of Pure Physique, which is a fitness studio franchise and online coaching company. They live in New York with their two incredible young boys. They've been featured on CBS, NBC, and Fox for their time saving fitness programs for busy parents and professionals. As you'll see in this video, they help people build strength, build confidence, and tone without calorie counting, cardio, or more than 90 minutes of exercise per week. Their core focus and that of pure physique is to build people up. You'll see in this episode that both of them look very fit and they're mostly meat based or animal based, but you'll see that the conversation is very applicable to any person that is wanting to refine their workouts and also be able to work out, be consistent. And most of all, for me as a busy person, to be able to implement this long term without it being overly complicated. It's a great conversation, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Let's get right into the interview. Hi, Mike and Corey Beth. I'm super excited to have you on my channel. For the people that are listening and watching that may not have heard of you, if you can introduce yourselves. Sure. I am Mike, and this is Corey Beth Lepowski. We are the co founders of Pure Physique. 
We are a fitness franchise as well as a online coaching program. And basically what we do is we specialize in time efficient resistance training. So our program is all built around how busy moms and professionals can get themselves in great shape with as little as 60 to 90 minutes of exercise a week. Can you walk us through a sample, I guess, curriculum or a program? Sure. So basically what the way our program is set up is that everything is built around resistance training for the simple fact that we know that resistance training is the one form of exercise that covers the vast majority of things that people would be looking to improve with their health as well as with their fitness. So whether somebody's interest is in developing greater uh, endurance or cardiovascular conditioning, strength, uh, they want more help with their flexibility and range of motion, all of those things are achievable through resistance training. However, the challenge for many people is they have this mindset that in order to work out, they have to spend hours in the gym, they have to break down to doing their cardio and their stretching and then their weight training. So what we've done is we've just simplified the process and and created programs that are resistance training based, but cover all of that entire spectrum of benefits that somebody would be looking to achieve. Uh, But most importantly, we're doing it in a time efficient manner, because I think the idea for many people is that I'm going to have to invest my life into this process of getting myself in shape. And we are here to tell people that it doesn't actually require as much as you think. It just requires approaching it the right way and, and in a way that's going to be sustainable. So for that reason, I mean, I could say that for myself for the past 25 years, I have not trained more than 90 minutes in an entire week. Uh, when Corey Beth started, she could give you her story of when she came in 35 pounds overweight, uh, was the cardio queen and was spending more time in the gym than was necessary and took this, what was a very, uh, counterintuitive counterintuitive approach to to exercise and completely transformed her body so we just like to show people that regardless of where you are where you're starting from or even what your goals are even if they are highly aspirational exercise and fitness in general does not have to be something that consumes your life or complicated doesn't have to be complicated no So, so when you say 90 minutes in a week what does that break down into in days it's a 30 minute workouts. Okay. So done anywhere from two to three days a week. And I think where a lot of people get caught up is they believe they have to work out five, six, seven, if they could, maybe eight days a week. And it's just not true. We value the exercise, doing it in an efficient way. And we also value the rest because that's actually when you're getting that tone that women really want to see or men really want to see. So you need to balance between the rest and the workouts. And that's why you only need two to three days a week. What's interesting is you brought up the risk. So I'm just going to say it from my N equals one, because this is not my specialty at all. Um, So when I do resistance training, I don't feel like I worked. I mean, yes, I'm sore the next day sometimes, but I don't feel like I worked out as much as if I did 30 minutes on some cardio machine, had my heart rate up really high. And then if I lift a little and then do the sauna, then I'm like, oh, that felt great. But that is like an hour plus in the gym. When I just lift weights and my husband asks, how was your workout? I'm like, "Eh." (laughs) it doesn't feel like I really worked out. And I know people say have less breaks and then you'll have a little bit of a sweat, but it is not the same feeling 
as when I do cardio. So what am I doing wrong? I'm going to let Mike answer that question, (laughs) but I will say as a former cardio queen, I can relate so much to what you're saying. Um, You know, I wanted to get on the elliptical or the treadmill or the stair climber. And the crazy thing is, I think for a lot of women is we don't lift heavy enough. Either we're scared of hurting ourselves. I don't know if you can resonate with that. We're not sure how to do it right. Or maybe we're not using proper form, or maybe we've even heard that lifting heavy makes us bulky. That was my big hang up. I'm like, I don't want to look like those ugly bodybuilding bodies that are like way too muscular and shredded. Um, And the fact is we as women actually don't have enough testosterone in our bodies that even if we lifted as heavy as we possibly could for the rest of our life, we could never achieve that type of form. We don't have the hormonal capacity. And so I'll let Mike really dive a bit deeper into it. But I would say the first is changing our mindset a bit about it. The second would definitely be lifting some heavier weights and we can definitely help you out in that area. Okay. Okay. So Corey Beth alluded to it when she made mention of the weights and that even though that that plays a a role, the bigger issue here is intensity of effort. Mm -hmm. So the way that we have to just view resistance training or exercise in general is stimulus and response. Everything that we do is a dose response relationship. And when it comes to exercise and specifically resistance training, I think where most people fall short is when it comes to the dose, the only thing that they they think about is the amount of exercise that they're doing. So they're thinking specifically in terms of volume. Now, when it comes to resistance training, there's several factors at, at play. There is the volume. But then there's also your intensity, and then there's your frequency, and then there's your quality of execution, um, and then there's other variables that can make the exercise more demanding. So first, generally speaking, I mean, we like to take the approach of doing the least amount of exercise necessary to get the best result. So with that in mind, that means that the stimulus itself, exercise itself, has to be demanding enough. Everyone has heard the the phrase, I mean, what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. And usually, you know, we relate that to to some something that's going on in our life that, hey, it's okay, you're going to go through this challenging time, but think about what's going to happen on the back end of it. And it's not that much different when you relate it to exercise. The reason why maybe you yourself or anybody listening may feel like, I'm not just getting a good enough workout when I resistance train could be because of the hangups that Corey Beth had already pointed out that chances are maybe you're not using enough resistance. But I would challenge that and say, resistance aside, the most important thing is how hard are you working? Mm-hmm. And the how hard you're working is what's tricky for some people because they always feel as if, well, I, I have to do this heavy bodybuilder, powerlifter type routine. And, and that's the furthest thing from what we do personally. You know, everything that we do with ourselves, with our clients is very slow, very deliberate, very low impact. However, regardless of the weight load you choose, as long as you are working to the point of exhaustion, working your muscles to the point of what we would call momentary muscular failure, and I don't want that term to scare anybody, what we mean is just fatiguing your muscles to the point at which, despite your best effort, you can no longer perform another repetition in good form. And if you've done that, then what you've done is you've exhausted the entire spectrum of muscle fibers, 
And when you exhaust the entire spectrum of muscle fibers, that's when you start getting the response that you're looking for from your training. That's when your slow twitch muscle fibers start to develop a little bit more, and that helps you to improve your muscular endurance. That's when you're on the other end of the spectrum, your fast twitch muscle fibers develop, and now you have more power or in the case of a woman who's looking to have more muscle tone, you're building enough muscle so that your muscles actually appear toned. So that is really the focus of the workout. It's with the time that you are utilizing, how are you utilizing that time? And so we'd always want somebody to take the approach where they are maximizing the amount of tension that they're placing on the muscle and working that muscle to exhaustion. So if you, I mean, let me just ask you a question. When you go into the gym, when you lift weights, I mean, how do you approach it? Are you a, I'm going to do three sets of this and X number of reps type of individual or something different? It depends on who I listen to last. Um, so there's some people, you know, they'll say lift to failure or lift the heaviest you can. And then it's just, it doesn't matter about the reps. So depending on who I listen to, and then I'll do what you also mentioned. I probably fall a little bit more there of let's just get this amount of reps done for this muscle group. But I, I just don't know what the right answer is because everyone seems to have their backed up research on why this way of lifting or lifting the heaviest or to failure or this amount of reps or this amount of breaks or doing certain muscle groups or some people saying, no, just do all the muscle groups. And it's just depending on the person, that's what I kind of try to do. And so, yes, there is no consistency in a sense with me with that, but I, I just don't know the answers to these things. And maybe, you know, if you have any information, even with that, it is it the consistency? Is it the reps more? And I, I know that it's more of, like you said, it's uh, targeting specific metrics, I guess, but is it the reps or is it the amount you lift or the, your heart rate? Is it, is it all of it? That's a, that's a great question. And what you're pointing to is that a lot of people will measure different factors and that's okay. I mean, if you want to measure one factor against another, I mean, this is often where a lot of the confusion comes in people not recognizing that those are just measurements. It doesn't mean that you must do it that way, or that's the right way. When you take the the 10,000 foot view of it though, what you start to see is, okay, all of these different things that people are measuring all sort of lead to the same place, which for the group that's saying, oh, all you have to do is, is lift heavy and, you know, don't, don't worry about going to failure. What they're basically saying is that by lifting heavy, you are going to recruit the largest muscle fibers, which is going to make the biggest difference in terms of your strength and muscle development. Then you have those maybe like ourselves who lean a little bit more towards the effort or intensity end of the spectrum, which says, hey, don't worry about lifting the heaviest weight, but which with whatever weight you choose to use, just keep using it to the point where you reach fatigue because those last few reps feel no different to your muscles. Your body recognizes it the same exact way as if you were lifting that heavy weight. So you're also going to recruit that spectrum of muscle fibers that's going to contribute to your development. So although there are a lot of these things to take into consideration, at the end of the day, what's most important is a person's effort, how hard they're working. The other details oftentimes relate to what do you feel most comfortable doing? You know, what is most suitable for you, your lifestyle? 
If we look at those factors that I mentioned before, your intensity, your volume, your frequency, I mean, all, any one of those things can be adjusted, any one of them to help lead you down a path. And this is where a lot of the internet arguments and stuff come in because you have somebody on one side saying, well, I adjusted this, this part and it created this result. And then you have somebody else saying, well, I adjusted this one and it created the same result. But the whole point is, is that all of those things are, are contributing to the same outcome, which is, is providing enough demands right. on the body. And that's maybe a better way for people to frame their approach to exercise. It's not about the amount. It's about the total demands placed on your body. So when you add all those things up, was the workout demanding enough to elicit a response? And if you're walking away saying, well, I don't really feel like, you know, I, I got a great workout. And when I, when I did my weight training, it's because the effort wasn't there yet. When you're doing your cardiovascular exercise or your endurance exercise, what might you do? You might increase the incline. If you're on a treadmill, you might run instead of walk. And all those things could be related back to resistance training as well. It's you're doing your 15 reps, but are you using a weight where you would reach fatigue at 15 reps, or do you still have five, maybe 10 reps left in the tank? And I know that we could say for women specifically, and that was Corey Beth's issue is when she started training, it was, well, I'll lift these five pound dumbbells because that's what girls do. And, and meanwhile, she shows up and I, I place a pair of tens and 15s in her hand and it it's a novel. Like, wait, what am I supposed to do with these? Well, I think not only that as women, we don't believe we can lift that heavy. We don't think that it's, it's possible for us. I mean, we talk with women all the time who have two and three and five pound dumbbells. I'm like, girlfriend, we got to get like tens and twelves and fifteens. And it's amazing what a huge difference it makes for them because I look at the big difference it made for me. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. So we bought, when I was doing 75 hard, um, I, I had to do more workouts at home just to save time of going to the gym. And so we went to the store and bought dumbbells and Kevin made me get the bigger one. And I was like, this is so heavy. I can't do my, and so it, I, I, and you are speaking me right now. So it makes sense. And I think it's, if I'm being honest with myself, you're right. I put in, I know what it takes for the cardio part. I can listen to faster music, pump out harder I guess each, each minute that I'm on it, but, and make my heart rate go up because I have a measure and I can inc increase the incline. But then with the weights, I think I take it more easy. So I can even listen to podcasts doing it. So I think you're right. I, I definitely think I'm not putting as much effort. So we'll have to see and I'll, I'll get back to you, but. Hey guys, just to let you know, my carnivore cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. One of the stumbling blocks there for a lot of people is the amount of discomfort that they'll feel if they are exercising properly. So if you are resistance training properly and you are pushing yourself to that point of momentary muscular fatigue, I mean, there is a certain degree of discomfort that you're going to feel. And what most of us do is, you know, we, we go into defense mode 
when we start experiencing that for the first time, if we don't have a professional standing there coaching us through it, the first thing that comes up is fear of injury. And it's, this feels uncomfortable. I don't like this. And we exit stage right. Whereas that is when the exercise is actually beginning. And that's a hard concept for many people to, to grasp that that is actually the beginning of the productive exercise. So what we're doing is we are leaving all of the productive parts of our workout off the table. And it does tend to be, you know, very sex driven. Men are very ego driven when it comes to their workouts. And that might be a blanket statement, but doing this for 25 years, it's what I've observed. Um, men are very ego driven, whereas they, they will throw caution to the wind, not worry about whether or not they're going to get hurt. It's maybe it's the macho man syndrome. I want to lift as much, um, as I can, or at least more than my, my friend that I'm working out with. And then, and then women, there is a lot more concern and trepidation over getting hurt. And so where a man might push through a woman might hold back now in neither situation though, are they right? Because the guy that's pushing through often is doing it in a way that is maybe not what we would consider quality exercise, meaning if the focus is less on stimulating the muscle and it becomes more of a test of strength, can I move this weight from point A to point B despite the way that I do it? Whereas the, the focal point should be, did I fully exhaust that muscle to its full degree? And that means being hyper-conscious of maintaining proper exercise form. So spinal alignment, relaxing unrelated muscles, and just focusing in on the muscle that you are trying to, to stimulate. So I think that women start with the right approach, which is let me train a little bit lighter. Let me be more cautious, focused on form. Those are all good things. But really, the magic happens when, when those two ends of the spectrum meet in the middle. And somebody could recognize that, hey, I can do an exercise safely and train hard. And right. that is ultimately what we're trying to bridge. Okay, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. In my community, we have a lot of really chronically ill where sometimes even running a mile is hard or um, I'm guessing they can't even go to the gym. Is there a certain balance you find that maybe they could just do even in a day? I, I don't think they could even do a 30 minute program. But is there something that you can advise that would help them even move the needle a little bit? Snacks, exercise snacks. I mean, oh, we oh I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we just actually did a podcast on exercise snacks. Mike actually presented a great deal of research on these little spurts of exercise that we could do throughout our day that actually do have positive benefits. So for someone that is maybe fatigued chronically, um, they, maybe they feel weak, maybe even just that little bit of stress that working out, even though it's a good stress, it is still a stress on our body and on our immune system. So I would invite Mike to share the concept of exercise snacks. Yeah. Well, goes back to what we had said earlier, the, the premise behind what we should all be seeking to do is what is the least amount necessary to get the desired outcome. Yeah. And so for one person, that may be three workouts a week, 30 minutes, very high intensity. For someone else, it may be five minutes of training done twice a week and spread out by four days. So to Corey Beth's point, 
with exercise snacks, this is just the, the concept of doing less than one minute's worth of work at a relatively high intensity. Now, for somebody though, who is, is starting at the, the base, base, base level of their fitness, I mean, this could be nothing more than trying to get on the ground and doing one push-up from your knees to start. And then the, the next day, building on that and going for two. And this, this gradual buildup until, okay, now I'm able to uh, work at a higher capacity. But here becomes the crux of the issue for many people. As their capacity increases to do more workload, doing more workload sometimes is the mistake. Because as Corey Beth just mentioned, exercise is a stress. So although we like to view exercise through the lens of this is helping me physically, mentally, emotionally, I feel good after I'm done. The fact is, is that it is a negative stress on your body. So whether you are the person who needs to start with one pushup or you're the person who's been training for 20 years and, and has a strong foundation, you, you can't keep upping the bar with how much you do because as your capacity increases, well, your ability to recover doesn't necessarily get that much better. We adapt and get better at performing exercise and we could maybe handle more exercise for that reason, but our bodies are still sensing that you just placed this big stress on me and I need to be able to recuperate from it. So when talking to your community, you are talking to people who are having a tremendous amount of difficulty recovering. So recovery is always going to be at the crux of the issue. In fact, you know, when you really look at bodybuilders, we'll just use them as an example. We'll talk about the, the end of the spectrum where they are using bodybuilding drugs and synthetics and things to help them build lots of muscle. But really, those drugs are, are not necessarily designed to make their muscles larger. What it does is it helps their bodies recover at a much faster rate than the average individual or that any of us ever could naturally. And so we, we have to look at it through that lens and say, what is my ability to recover from this exercise? How much can I handle right now? And then giving yourself an appropriate amount of time. So there's many clients that we work with that will not train any more than once a week. Sometimes, you know, a, a person's max limit we've learned is two times a week because of the intensity which they're training at. But it just goes back to adjusting all of those, those variables. So for somebody who doesn't have the capability to recuperate from exercise because they're dealing with all of these other physiological or even mental stresses, then the concept should be do the capacity of work that you feel like you can do right now and take as much time between then and the next bout of that exercise as what you feel comfortable or what you feel ready for. And then you can build on that because I think that most people, when they go into exercise, as you know, I said early on, they have this idea that it's this overwhelming amount that is necessary to get them to this ideal. Whereas I would rather say, hey, do the least that you could possibly do right now. And if you're getting a good response from doing that, then keep doing that. And if you feel like you're ready, you're prepared to add a little bit more, you know, it's always easier to stack on than to try to figure out how much do I have to take off? And, and that with people who've been training for a long time, that's their biggest issue. And the, the hardest thing to get them to come to terms with is 
at this stage of the game, your body actually requires more recovery for you to reap these benefits. So that, that would probably be my best advice for somebody. It's so interesting the way that you talk about, because I've had other people on my channel about movement and exercise and lifting and the way you bring it up, it's so similar to how we work with nutrition and adding and reintroducing foods and eliminating. So it's pretty cool to hear it in this way. And it's really powerful, but talking about diet and fitness, how much of, you know, I, I think in a perfect world, everyone wants the six pack and to look the leanest or just have less belly fat how much of it is diet? And then how much of it is exercise? Would you say 100% and 100%? Um, it's always the answer that we give, you know, so many people want to come in and train with us or train online with us, and then go and eat whatever they want to eat. And the truth is, you cannot out train a bad diet, you know, someone that is not eating good food or things that are good and fueling them, you're not going to be able to make up for it, so to speak at the gym. And so we really do want clients to focus on coming and getting or logging online and getting their on-demand workouts, you know, one, two, three days a week. And then we really do want them focused on eating whole foods, natural foods, non-processed foods, and those two elements together. I mean, they always say abs are built in the kitchen, right? It's the shedding of that excess body fat to be able to reveal the work that you're putting in. And the struggle that I had for a very long time was I would go to the gym twice a day, twice a day, and you know, hang out on that elliptical for an hour, hour and a half at a pop. I mean, I was so overtrained and then lift my two and five pound dumbbells and tell everyone in my college gym, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to get bulky, you know, but then I would be so exhausted from burning two, three, four, 500 calories at a clip. I would go and binge on food and eat whatever I wanted to eat, not having any connection to the fact that what I was eating was totally counterproductive to what I was trying to do, what my goal was. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the way that we could also view this is those two things are intended to support one another. So to Corey Beth's point, I mean, you, you really can't, when it comes to fat loss, the, the mathematics of it, which I'm not a fan of calorie counting or anything. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, so much of fat loss is really hormonally driven and it's, it's driven by the foods that we're eating uh, or the foods that we're not eating that, that really determine our energy output. Meaning if you're putting a lot of good food in your body, if you're eating a predominantly animal-based diet, uh, then you're putting enough protein and enough of the right nutrients and minerals in your body where your body from a hormonal standpoint will sense that, oh, wow, we have this extra energy. Let's go expend it. But unfortunately, the way most people eat today, I mean, I know that in this audience, I'm preaching to the choir right now, but but the way that they they eat, that system is broken. And the, the signals are not being sent to the body that because there's a surplus of energy coming in, that there is an ability now to release that energy, to utilize that energy. And so what we want people to recognize, though, is that, you know, when it comes to losing body fat, it is going to be nutritionally driven because the mathematics of exercise to lose fat just don't add up. I mean, an example that we usually give people is the, the person who says, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to work this, ex, this work, work this fat off. So they decide they're going to start spinning and they, they go to this spinning class with the promise of burning 500, 600 calories in their 45 minute session. But when you do the mathematics of it, 
they wind up over each hour in a 24 hour day, burning only about an extra 30 to 40 calories beyond the cycling class. Like that's, yeah. that's really it because what's never taken into consideration is that, you know, your, your natural metabolic rate, this is why you cannot trust the treadmill calorie counter, right? It's taking into consideration how many calories you would have burned anyway during that period of time without doing the extra movement. Um, but mathematically, you're not really making a dent in your your ability to lose fat by doing all of that extra exercise. And you may even be putting a greater stress on your body, which is then sending the signals for you to eat more. Right. And, and now with this extra stress on your body, your body's using up more resources to try to just recover from that. But where exercise really does play a role is in supporting your nutrition. So as I'm sure many of your guests have already expressed on here, you know, you building that muscle tissue is what's going to help to raise your, your metabolic rate. And it's in that, that you can then guard against, um, days in which maybe you eat a little bit more than usual, or you're eating off plan for a few days. It's not going to affect you because your metabolic rate has been, has been elevated. And you building this extra muscle is now supporting your ability to, to be more active. And it also becomes a reservoir for, for glucose. So for somebody who is still eating some carbohydrates and such, it becomes that processing center to be able to, you know, for your body to better be able to utilize the glucose. So that is more where the exercise portion comes in. It's not meant for fat loss. It's really meant to support your fat loss efforts that are driven through your nutrition and then to keep you active and healthy and feeling great for the rest of your life. That all makes sense. I have older clients where um, they eat so little. So let's say they're, they're probably under eating, to be honest, they eat mostly meat, but they're not losing weight and they have a good amount, maybe 50 pounds, maybe some people a hundred, maybe they're eating 1200 calories. I don't know, but they struggle with losing weight. Do you have any tips for these people? We always like to view uh, fat loss specifically as a, like a thermostat. You know, a lot of people want to say fat loss is like a scale. What I eat, I, I gain. What I don't eat, I lose. You know, and that's the, the old way of thinking about fat loss. Whereas we like to take in many other factors, kind of like a thermostat. You know, mm -hmm. if I wanted to take the air conditioning in my house from, let's say, 70 degrees down to 65 you know, the air is going to kick on and it's going to start flooding out the vents, but each room is going to be at a bit of a dip different temperature. And then you throw in the variable of, oh, my kids left the garage door open. That actually drives me nuts in real life. Right. And so all that hot air is coming into the house and then Mike goes out the front door to check the mail. And now we've got another, then we have a drafty window. And what we can relate that to are things like our sleep. Are we sleeping well? Is our body able to do what it needs to do over the course of a night? What is my stress like? So for someone that doesn't have great stress release techniques and they're chronically stressed, we know that we have elevated cortisol levels in the body and chronic elevated cortisol levels is what's not good, right? We're, we're meant to have a cortisol dump or we're meant to have an adrenaline dump, but stress is a really other big part of it. And then of course there's, there's water, you know, are, are we drinking, are we drinking enough water? I don't know if there's any other factors that you want to throw in there, but there's so many factors beyond just the food that we really do want to take a holistic approach to that person to be able to say, Hey, let's focus. I mean, we have challenges we do where we focus on people's sleep. 
We want to make sure that they're actually getting good sleep, not broken sleep, because that does play into their ability to have the hormones function properly and their body release fat. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would add to that is that in, in the scenario that you're describing, this person's eating a low amount of calories and it, it's mostly meat. So great, they're getting the protein. But I would say then the the missing element for them probably is the resistance training component. You know, are they are they carrying enough muscle to support a higher metabolic rate, which then would give the body a reason to start tapping into those into those fat stores? So I really do find that resistance training is the missing piece for people because we see it all the time that there there's somebody who comes in with a relatively good diet. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it, it might not be what we say we would like them doing, but but it's been working and they only have those few pounds to lose. And oftentimes that is the only situation in which we usually see that the exercise itself becomes the trigger for that person to lose that additional body fat. So I think that the missing element here for those individuals you're describing would be the resistance training element. Okay. No, that makes sense. I like to get really tactical on this podcast. So for Corey Beth, you said you had weight that um, a little extra weight before and you were in the gym a lot, you did cardio, something magically changed. I think a lot of the stuff that you uh, promote up here, and then now you eat, I think more animal based, but can you share a little bit about your journey and what changed so that you have the physique you have today? That's a great question. And and we could just put it honestly, if we're going to get real technical, I was fat. Um, <laughs> and that said, I, I was not just overweight, but I was really unhappy and I would really break my journey into maybe I guess we could say four phases. The first phase was the standard American diet phase. And that's where I was eating what the food pyramid told me to eat, having my occasional snacks here and there, eating my Nestle Toll House cookies, to which my mom once said, are you really going to have another? And that was like a big changing, you know, pivoting point in my life where I was like, oh my gosh, did my mom just call me fat? To which years later, I was like, did you call me fat? She was like, no, I literally just wanted to know if you wanted another. But um, so that was like phase one. And so through that process, I gained about five pounds every year of my, my college education. Um, I came out probably about 35 to 40 pounds heavier than I should have been for my frame and my body type. Um, phase two was meeting Mike, coming away from all of the cardio that I was doing. Praise God. Thank you. And really going in and doing a bodybuilding style of eating so that I could prepare for a bodybuilding show. So with Mike's assistance, help, support, love, I mean, there's so much there. Um, I was able to get on stage and compete as a natural bodybuilder, shed those 40 pounds and looked absolutely incredible but it wasn't entirely sustainable. And so we enter into phase three. Um, in phase three, I would say that the only thing that remained from phase two was this resistance training. It was the still two to three days a week. It really helped me to maintain my, my mental state, my mental health. That made me, it makes me feel so good. I mean, really, if I miss a workout during the week, I'm not in a good place. And he can be honest about that. She's scary, mommy. I am. I am. Um, so mentally, that makes me feel so good, but it also helps me to not be skinny fat. I think that's the opposite end of the spectrum. We don't want to be. We want to look like we want to look like we work out. We want to look fit. You know, we want to look healthy. And so in that phase, we started to play around with our diets where we were doing more of the macro based bodybuilding thing. And then we moved a bit into keto and intermittent fasting and started to realize that we can maintain a good, healthy lifestyle. We can be present for our kids 
And we can still look pretty decent, whether we're in shorts or a sweatshirt or we're in the gym. And so in that phase, I think we found more of the lifestyle that we promote to clients that is sustainable for everyone. Through that, I was able to keep those 35, 40 pounds off for the last 13 years, which I 100% attribute to the resistance training and you know cleaning up a lot of junk out of my diet which then leads us to 2023, which would be phase four. Um, And in this phase, the last lingering thing that was there for me was some bloating. You know, I'd struggled with irritable bowel syndrome my entire life. I had dealt with cystic hormonal acne. And even in that first and second phase, been so deep into the standard American diet that I was diagnosed with narcolepsy. So if you could even imagine this energetic person falling asleep in the middle of a conversation, I mean, it's unfathomable, but that really was my life. I'd fall asleep in dangerous places. You know, it was nodding off behind the wheel where I'm like, whoa, something's got to give. So I was able to correct, I would say all of that without medication, with food, with diet, with sleep, with my amazing husband. Um, and then in 2023, beginning this carnivore animal-based lifestyle completely did away with my bloating. So the one stand, like the, the standing piece that will never, ever, ever, ever leave me is the resistance training. It's just so simple. It's 30 minutes. I got my workout gal pal partners. will go meet at one of our facilities and get a great workout in from time to time. Mike and I can do it together. And then even I was traveling last weekend and was able to plug into our app. And I actually, I had Mike train me, but like not in real time on demand in the gym. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a life-changing thing to realize that you could do something so short that is so effective. But, um, I, I would say this last phase has really been my favorite, you know, coming to learn about your book, what the work that you do, Anthony Chafee. I mean, Mike really brought me into this next world. I guess really you're responsible for all of this. Um, but really to be able to feel so good and not feel bloated anymore. I mean, it's just, I have steady energy. I feel great. My workouts have remained strong. And I don't know, it's amazing to show people pictures of me, which I'll share with you to share with your viewers. It doesn't even look like the same person. And I just want to show people it's not about me or my story. It's if I could make such a drastic change in my body, it is absolutely possible for other people to do that too. Yeah. Out of curiosity, you know, one thing that carnivore gets a knock or even keto is that you need carbs to be able to train. And so without carbs, you. I hear it all the time from people that reach out to me. My energy is not the same in the gym. So you've been through that all four phases. Um, Do you notice a difference? I would say I'm strongest now. I think the biggest thing, maybe, maybe it's electrolytes, you know, making sure we're getting in enough healthy fat. And then also the consumption of electrolytes, I feel like has helped. But I will tell you right now, when I first started training, you know, my phase two, I was doing pull downs of maybe like 50 pounds. And again, that will vary per machine. It'll vary per gym. It'll vary per pulley system and all that. But I have no problem now doubling, if not more than doubling that on a machine where I never would have thought about that back then. So for somebody trying to make that argument about you're not going to be as strong in the gym, well, I I can show you my training charts and we're going to throw that right out the window. Yeah, I think the the carbohydrate conversation is one that's very interesting because during the time in which we were doing the natural bodybuilding, um, I had done it for 13 years, uh, reached professional level, and there, there the approach very much was low fat, very high carbohydrate, and uh, you know basically 
being one step, um, one foot in the grave the whole time. Like that's how you feel because you're just in this energy deficit and you're trying to have just enough carbs to get you to the next meal, to get you to the next meal. And there is a very aesthetic component to this too, where, you know, because carbohydrates, every gram of carbohydrates holds three grams of water, you know, the, the idea is, Hey, if you can get your muscles to store more glycogen, then that means they could hold more water and, and you'll look better. And, and so we leaned on that for a good part of that, that bodybuilding phase. And I think that it just reached the point where I know for me personally, when that time came where I said, I, I think I'm going to retire from this, have no desire to do bodybuilding anymore. There was a lot of frustration. And I'm going to even use the word depression on my part, because I came to the realization that how am I ever going to maintain that type of shape without going to that extreme? And that really, for me personally, set on the journey of, hey, how can I look like that most of the time? I don't have to look like I'm stepping on stage, but being close to it most of the time without those extremes. And that is when we went the more ketogenic route, started utilizing intermittent fasting. And all of a sudden I'm noticing, oh my gosh, I am only like two or three pounds off my competition shape. And I'm not eating carbohydrates. I am not timing my meals. In fact, I'm eating, you know, twice a day at most. Um, and it was, it was very eye-opening. And the hardest part though, for me to let go of was the carbohydrates. It's like, I still need to keep some in here, right? Because I know that I'm going to need them for my workout. And so it's been over time, a slow whittling down to the point in which, you know, I've been carnivore for nearly a year now and, uh, been virtually you know, zero carbohydrates, except for the occasional bite or taste of something here or another. And uh, we keep pretty, I stay very constant with doing uh, body scans. So in our, in our studios, we have, um, it's called the Fit3D scanner. And so that gives you precise detail over every measurement at all the key areas of your body. And, you know, from it, it'll break down lean mass and, um, fat mass and all of that. But the more important thing for me is, you know, what, what have been the changes by going carnivore and almost zero carbohydrate. And it's just interesting. It's like every year I'm getting older, but my body composition is staying just as good, if not better than it had in the previous years. So, you know, to your point, I mean, it has not affected my performance in the gym. Um, at this phase, I'm not trying to set records. I, I, you know, about to turn 46 in a few days. And my, my goal is to maintain the strength and the muscle mass that I have now for the next several decades. So if I'm able to do that, I'm going to be quite pleased, but I'm doing it without the carbohydrates and I'm, I'm not feeling any negative repercussions of it. And I think that there have been just some times in which I felt like, you know what, I just feel like I need it for whatever reason my body was sensing it. And I would have that little bit and that would be good enough but there's definitely been no need to be relying upon it. Have you noticed anything in terms of, and maybe your program covers this, but like the muscle recovery or any other differences you've noticed without taking the carbs? Um, I'm going to say that my recovery has been pretty much the same, okay. which to me is, is actually encouraging okay. because, you know, we're not trying to recover from workouts that we're doing every single day. Keep in mind, you know, we, we've already been very cognizant of the fact that, there are limited resources for your body to recover from the workout, as well as all the other stressors in your life. 
So I feel like we've done a good job of managing that. I think the the bright spot in all of this is that recovery and that ability to bounce back and do another good hard workout has has definitely not been, you know, not been affected in a negative way by not having those carbohydrates there. So I really do feel like our bodies are doing a very good job of producing all the glycogen that it needs to support our our training and then uh the nutritional piece, ensuring that there is more than enough protein available to recover from those workouts and have those amino acids as the building blocks for what the stimulus provided by that workout. I mean, it's, it's working out pretty well. No, that's great. What have you found in the many years that you've been doing this that help people stay consistent? I think one thing we alluded to in the very beginning is that people want to do a lot at first. And um, once they are like, I'm going to work out, I'm going to go to the gym and they want to work out five, seven, eight days a week. But what have you found to be the most effective for people to stay consistent? It's the results. You know, people being able to see whether it's pictures, um, body scans, it's pointing those things out, celebrating those things with them. Because again, the benefit of something like a scanner is someone can step on the scale and then two weeks later, step on the scale and they're like, it didn't change, but wait, my clothes are fitting different. You know, we can put them on the scanner and say, Hey, we lost a half a pound of fat. We gained a half a pound of lean muscle or lean body mass, I should say, um, or a pound, you know, in either direction. And for me going on to carnivore, my pictures were drastically different, you know, over the course of like three months. But when I got on the scanner, I was like, holy cow. Cause my weight was the same. Everyone was commenting. Did you lose weight? Did you lose weight? Did you lose weight? And I didn't, but what I had done is I had lost, I think it was four or four and a half pounds of fat and gained about that amount of lean mass, which is not all muscle. It can also be water. Um, but I would say the results are huge. And then of course we have fail safes built in. We have habit trackers. We do challenges. We do all sorts of things in our studios and online to keep people motivated because of course, you know, motivation can fade, um, but it is keeping them focused on their why helping them focus on the results that they're getting. I mean, listen, when you have more energy and you look better and you feel better, you are better, you know? So just by looking better, you are better because you feel more confident in your body. And so to us, it's not about a number on the scale. I don't really care what the number on the scale says. I think it's great for quantifiable measures to be able to say, okay, here's where we're at. When someone says, I feel better in my skin, I am more confident. I sleep better. I have better energy. I'm calmer with my kids. I mean, those are non-scale victories that are huge. And I think for a lot of people far outweigh what you could ever see on the scale. I would add on top of that, you know, the the results are ultimately what get people motivated and get them excited, but what keeps them going over time is the simplicity of it. And when you can express to somebody that, hey, you were able to achieve those results and now maintain those results with less than 1% of your time in an entire week. I mean, there it, it makes it so that it is it is so easy to follow. So like, you mean to tell me that if I do work out this way once or twice a week for the rest of my life, I'm going to be able to sustain this type of result. Yes. And not just sustain it, but other things will get better because, you know, with resistance training, especially, I mean, there's this component that it's all about longevity. This is not something that you start just so that you get in shape and then you stop it is meant to be something that is a lifelong endeavor. 
I mean, it's interesting, right? When you you look at these people who live in tribes and they are in their 70s and sometimes 80s and the elders are still just as active, but they're not doing any type of exercise program. It's like they, they're doing the work that they've always done, which could be a short stint of really heavy labor for a few minutes, a couple times a week. And, and they're able to do that into old age. And that's also what keeps them going. So I think that our, our exercise should mimic those scenarios as well. As much as we, we always talk about, you know, our nutrition mimicking that, well, our ancestors were not people who had a gym membership. There were no 24 hour fitnesses and planet fitnesses and, and all these other places. It was, you went out, you did the intense work for this mm -hmm. short amount of time and you did it infrequently. And there's no reason why we can't mimic the same thing with our exercise. And that's exactly what we are doing by doing higher intensity resistance training, being very intentional about working our bodies, challenging our muscles, you know, going really hard, but then giving it extended periods of time to recuperate and, and reap the full benefits of that stimulus. So I think that the simplicity to me is, is the thing that really drives us and makes it something that people will do forever. Right. I second that. And, and I find that to be true too. I think even in the diet space um, or in an elimination diet, it's always hard in the beginning when you're trying to introduce something new to your life. So then, you know, lots of the habit stackings or things that remind you of placing like the water right next to the desk that you're always at, those things will help. But once it becomes a part of your life, as you said, if it's just you knowing that this will be forever in your life, instead of, I just need to reach this goal and I'll work hard. And then once I'm done, then I don't have to work out anymore, or I don't have to eat this diet anymore. But if you think of it as a lifestyle, and then once you hit some of your results, I think it becomes easier to just make it a lifestyle and to be consistent, because they always say that it is harder to start something. Once it's coming along or churning along, it'll just kind of be this rhythm. I think your body will be more forgiving if you missed one week of not doing your resistance training versus if you haven't done it for months. So I, I, I just think it makes a lot of sense. As we're closing your program, how does it work? So it sounds like you have in person, but you know, if I wanted to use it in Austin, do I have to join at a certain time? Like how does your program work? No, we have it set up so that it's a program that somebody could get into at any time. Okay. And we have it broken into phases where through our training app, somebody's going to be introduced to phase one. And, and this is a scenario where it doesn't matter where you're starting from. It doesn't matter if you are the person who's never worked out before or the person who's um, you know, a seasoned veteran. You still start out in the same place because it's always about setting that foundation. And we, we want to make sure that you're set on a strong foundation. And so you can just simply open the app. You will have usually myself uh, walking you through the exact workout from start to finish and showing you exactly how it is that within that 30-minute time span, you can be so efficient with the work that you do. I would say that the majority of the workouts are going to be uh, full-body workouts. Um, you know, We'll tailor that a little bit differently for, for some of the routines. But the, the point being is that that we're simply there to provide you that stimulus. And, and once you have that stimulus set, then you've put everything in motion. So we've really made it easy to, to get started. Well, our mission was to have people be able to work out anywhere, anytime. 
And so having on-demand workouts, it enables the busy mom, the busy professional, the busy whomever to pick their time of day that works best for them and just chunk it into a 30-minute stint. The other thing that we do is we do run challenges, which are very engaging. They do include some nutritional support. We have different pathways that people can take. So depending on you know what works best for them. And then of course the glue that's going to hold all of this together, it's that accountability piece. So, you know, we do have just DIY. You can hop on, you can get your workout in, feel great, check it off, rate it, you earn badges as you go. Or, you know, in our challenges or in some of more nutritional coaching, being assigned to a coach that you can check in, you know, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I need help with. And we do integrate mindset as well, which I think is really important when it comes to making nutritional changes. I know you can totally get on the same page as this. It's changing people's beliefs, you know, analyzing, assessing what are your beliefs, what has been holding you back? What are some of those things? And then also just releasing things and letting go of things, I think also is helpful in that process. So it really is a holistic picture to help meet people wherever they're at, depending on whatever time commitment they have to get the result that they're after. That's awesome. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm kind of curious. Of, I, I kind of want to look into it, but you know, where can people find you, your program, um, if you have a social media presence? And then also, do you have an online? I mean, do you have an in-person gym? And if so, where is that? Yeah. So we actually would be happy to share with you and your listeners, our free five-day challenge. Um, It's an opportunity to hop on into our app, you know, take a look around, try out a couple of the workouts, see how it all works and things like that. Um, And then, you know, from there, they can decide where they'd like to go. We do have three physical locations. Two are located in New York. So we're just north of New York City in Westchester County, and then also in Dutchess County. And then we also have a location out in Connecticut. With more to come, we got more to come soon in the upcoming years. It is a franchise. So for people that are either interested in fitness or looking for, you know, an alternate revenue stream, it's a really amazing lower startup um, business to be able to open for themselves um, anywhere they want. And then as far as where they could find us, they could just simply go to purephysique.com. Most of our stuff is there. And then on social media, if you just type in Mike and Corey Beth Lepowski, about anywhere we spend probably most of our time on Instagram these days. Uh, easy to find us there. And you have a podcast as well, right? And we have a podcast, we That do. Fitness Couple, which we had a guest on who was absolutely amazing. We got rave reviews about it. I think her name was Judy Cho. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. So listen, I went to a mom's uh, homeschool mom meetup group and you know, the moms are slowly discovering that we have this podcast, that fitness couple. And one of them came running up and she's like, you had Judy Cho on your podcast. So really it's, it's great. It's great to be able for both of us, right. To get this information out there to help people. And again, meet them wherever they are. No, that's awesome. And I love that because you can't, we, as we do more of the environmental testing stuff, not everyone is strict carnivore. And so it's a first, I guess, looking under the hood and seeing that people follow different diets and it's trying to recommend a more meat-based diet, but we even have somebody that's full vegan and they are not open. And so I'm slowly trying to explain, you probably need a little bit more meat and fat for your protocol, but it's, I cannot force it on them because they have said to me, it's their value system right now. And so I'm hoping that we can support that value system, but I get it. It's, you have to meet the person where they are. So in your program, if, whether I was a newbie or whether I was very seasonally trained, both people can be supported in these programs. 
Absolutely. What's great is there's modifications that are even made in that on-demand workout. So, you know, when I had Mike in the gym with me, but not really in the gym while I was traveling, he was like, you could do it this way. I was like, gosh, thank you so much for that reminder that I could modify, you know, for my wrist or for my knee or for something. So absolutely, no matter where you are on your journey of fitness, absolutely. The workouts are a great match. That's awesome. And then I just want to ask you quickly about the franchise. So you franchise your gyms. Is that how it works or what, what is that all about? Yeah, so we had uh, started the location in Westchester, and then uh, since day one, the intention was always to either grow it as a chain or as a franchise. So when we came to that decision, we had already built out all the systems and the processes. And so our other locations are franchise locations. And what's great is, though, that you know we still all work together as a team. So we get together on Fridays with all the trainers from all the locations, discussing the workouts, discussing um, specific scenarios with clients or challenges that have come up. Uh, everybody is following the same protocol. So one thing that is very unique aside from the 30 minute workouts is that this is not a program in which you're gonna be doing the same thing over and over and over again. We actually change over to a different training style almost every two weeks. And if you, if you think about what most people are after they they want the improvement in in muscle tone they want to lose body fat they want better conditioning uh greater aesthetics so what we'll do is every routine is designed to really emphasize one of those areas so a program for two weeks might really emphasize the strength component two weeks after that it may emphasize the aesthetic component but regardless it's always hitting on all those areas at all times and so this way, when people come in, they're never doing the same workout in the, in the same week. Uh, it's always a different workout every time they come in and a different program every two weeks. Well, and back to the franchise, it actually was a trainer that wanted to open one of the businesses. We had another client that came in that wanted to open the business. And what Mike's explaining is just the simplicity and the ease that in each franchise, they don't have to come up with their own workout. They don't have to come up with their own email marketing campaign. It really is a beautiful plug, plug and play business system that someone could find the right location with our help, open up the doors and be able to start generating clients and leads to come in and, and start again, building people up. That's what we're here to do is to build people up. That's awesome. The training that you have to do or support you have to do for like new clients and then also your own team or your franchisees. It's like a, you're juggling so many things. So I commend you. It's uh, it's pretty fascinating. I would love to talk more about business, but we could talk offline, but that's pretty cool. Well, thank you so much for you know joining me. I think this was eye-opening even for me because I've had some experts on where it's like failure to or lift to failure. And it's just all this different and like weeks of eating certain ways. And it's just, it's a lot sometimes, especially like you said, if I'm, I'm really busy and I just want something simple and I just didn't know. So I just always go back to my cardio. And so I think this is something that I'm going to actually look into. So thank you. Thanks for having Thanks us so much. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope it shows the practicality in movement and how just even working out two times a week can make a significant difference. They also talk about how if you're not fully well, how you can do these snack size movements in order to still move the needle some. The point is find where you fall in the range of movement and see what you can do for your own individualized journey. I love that Corey, Beth, and Mike are very realistic for the person that is busy and that just wants to still be healthy. 
make sure to check out their five-day free challenge. Um, I think I'm going to try it myself, to be really honest. And I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for me. So I hope that this conversation really moves the needle in terms of movement, because it is really important to maintain, if not support, lean body mass for longevity. Okay, guys, make sure to eat a lot of meat, take care of your bodies, and bring in some movement, because it's the only place you have to live. I will talk to you later. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.